If you have your Bibles, look with me in Deuteronomy chapter 30. Get a chance, go to our website. Brother Bob's did an awesome job there. And uh, even had the message from Wednesday night. The number of people are commenting on and got tapes from. So that's already on the website. And uh, I just appreciate the good work he's doing on there. Appreciate the prayer chain. And but Sister Sue and Brother Bill and so many others are doing there. What a blessing to have that. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15. Now listen. Today I'm giving you a choice. Somebody say a choice. Between life and death. Between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God. And to keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you and the land you're about to enter in. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, and if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I'll warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long good life in the land you are crossing to Jordan to occupy. Today, I have given you a choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now, I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God and obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. And look what it says right here. This is the key to your life. Say that with me. This is the key to your life. If you needed one key that would open up all the doors you would ever need in your life, it says this is the key to life, that you make the right choices. Chapter 29, verse 29, the last verse of verse 29. The Lord our God has secrets known to no one. The secret things belong to our Lord, but the things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the works of the law. Now let me share Psalm 16:11 with you. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand our pleasures forevermore. I read these scriptures to you because what I want to share with you today is we've been talking about the importance of hearing the voice of the Lord and following the plan of God for our life. And what I want to share with you this morning is that he says, I want to bring you into the most blessed, prosperous. I want to bring you into places where you've never even dreamed of going before. But you've got to learn to hear from me because the abundant life comes through hearing my voice. We've got to learn to hear the voice of the Lord. But one of the things I was seeing uh, through all of this is that, you know, how many of you have seen that, that pizza commercial where the husband orders the pizza and then he tells his wife, well, honey, we've got 30 minutes. What you want to do till the pizza gets here? Well, I won't get into more detail about the commercial, but what I want to say about that is that, that, that they take something so intimate 
and try to find a time slot to fit it in. And how many times do we do that in getting into the presence of God? Well, I've got 10 minutes, God, so I guess I'll give it to you. I've got 10 minutes, so I guess I'll spend this time with you. And what we've got to understand is that God wants to be romanced. God wants us to come to a place where he says, look, I've got secret things that belong to me. But listen, I don't want you to be staying. And this is what the Lord's saying. I don't want you to stay in the outer court. I want you in the most holy of holies. But what you've got to do is you've got to understand that God likes to tease. And David, well, he liked to, he liked to stir it up. And God would, for example, Jesus would say, the kingdom of God is likened, and then he start going into a parable. And it's like, oh, come on, just tell me what the kingdom of God is like. It's likened unto another parable. Oh, come on, what is the kingdom of God like? God wants to be chased. And David, he liked to flirt. They would go, there is no God like you. You are beautiful. You are awesome. You are mighty. And so David would go into the presence of God and they would come into the outer court. And I started picturing him like two wrestlers just looking at each other and start going around in circles. And they start forming a dance. And David would start saying, you're almighty, you are precious, you are glorious. And God would be saying, oh, there's things I want to reveal to you. And David would start saying, well, I want you to reveal them to me. And as they would go, they would leave the outer court where most of the people are. Then they would go into the inner court where the work starts to have to be done. Then all of a sudden, before you know it, they would find themselves in the most holiest of holies, just him and God, to receive what God had for him. We want to receive something in just a quick, instant way. But God says, no, no, no. This is, this is my secret. You want to know, like we saw last week, you want to know about the donkeys. I made you to know me. I'm not bringing you into my secret place for you to get the answers. I'm coming to you to get to know me, the answer of all questions. You see what I'm saying? I want you to get into that place where it's you and me. I want us just to flow together. I want you to get so lost in me because if you will come to see and understand me, you'll find the answers for your questions. God wants that intimacy with us. He desires it and he deserves it. Amen. So we see here, God wants us to learn how to follow him, how to know him, because things in our life are so crucial. We were living in Argentina. This was about in 1990. And uh, this kind of goes along with the message Wednesday night about tough love. There was this young couple. That, uh, they were living out in a clay hut. Cody was about uh, two years old. And they were living in a clay hut out in the mountains. So we decided he was a preacher's son. We decided to offer them to come and live with us. So they moved in our house with us. And they had been living with us for about two years. He traveled with me. Uh, she'd be there for Cindy. We did a number of things together. And it came time for us to come home on furlough, and we had a big house in a, in a shaky neighborhood. So we wanted somebody to stay in the house to watch the home for us. Well, the Lord told me not to let them stay. Then he gave me a dream not to let them stay. Then he gave me another dream not to let them stay. 
And then I talked it over with Cindy, and she says, oh, well, baby, where are they going to go? And I said, yeah, I know. I'd hate to kick them out. But then I had another dream, who to let stay. But I said, but baby, where are they going to go? And so you know what we did? We left this couple after two years of them living in, in this home with us. We left them in charge of our house, and we came to the States. Well, every month I was sending their rent and bills and their salary and so forth and so on. So we came back home, and when we got home, we got home a little early. My car had been wrecked. The motor had been ruined. The glass has been broken. The lights have been broken. All of our precious belongings have been stolen. Even our underwear had been used and then put back in the drawer. Uh, and projectors, cameras, everything stolen. And then here comes the landlord after seeing everything gone and everything demolished. Here comes the landlord and he says, uh, this is all that you owe me. It was close to $10,000. I said, why? He says, well, while you were gone. They never paid me the rent. They never paid me the electricity. They said you were going to pay him when you get back here to Argentina. How many know that was the time I should have listened to God? And the couple that God showed me to put in the home, God had showed them they were supposed to stay in the home while we were gone. And he just never had the nerve to come talk to me either. How many of you know that many times if we choose life, it's because we choose to obey and discern the voice of God. But to discern it that sensitive, we've got to spend time with him. But by knowing the voice of God will keep us from making the wrong mistakes. My wife and I were in the States one time, and we were at this pastor and his wife's house, and they said, would you would y'all pray with us? We've been invited to go live in this other state to work with this other ministry, and we feel it's God. So we got on the uh, floor and we started praying and I gave them a word and then my wife gave them the same word. We don't feel it's God. And they said, well, you didn't hear from God because we know it is God. Well, you asked us, yeah, but no, 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 it's God because I can go work with this man. I said, I don't feel like it is. Well, you can't hear from God. Well, he resigned his church. They moved up to Pennsylvania. It lasted nine months. Lost a car, lost heirlooms, lost prized possessions. And to this day, they still will not say they missed God. But God will not lead you down a path where you lose things. He leads you down a path where he blesses you. That's why in this hearing the voice of God, we've got to understand. Look with me in John chapter 3. John chapter 3. We've got to learn this now. John chapter 3. I'm sorry, John chapter 10. John chapter 10. You know, a lot of times he was talking about the mule and the horse needing the bright, the bit and the bridle. You know, how long will I persist on going my own way? I wonder if the Holy Spirit... I wonder if the Holy Spirit was ever trying to talk to Cain as he was bringing Abel out in the field. Thank you, Brother Marvin. Please don't kill him. 
please don't kill him. I wonder if while Cain was walking behind Abel and Cain was holding on to that, that bone or that piece of wood, I wonder how many times the Holy Spirit was saying, Cain, don't do it. Cain, don't do it. Cain, don't do it. And he chose to do it. I wonder how many times the Holy Spirit told Esau, don't sell your birthright for a bowl of lentils. Don't do it. Don't do it. I wonder how many times you can read in the Bible where there was those who had their choices. The children of Israel could believe the word of the Lord. Or they could have believed what their hearts saw because of the giants. And if they could have entered the promised land sooner. Of course they could have. I wonder if we are where we're at because we haven't learned that voice. And I want you to see here in John chapter 10. John chapter 10. It says in verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. How many know that portion of Scripture? But I want you to see, go with me, verse 2. Verse 3. To him the gatekeeper opens. Look Look what it talks about above that Scripture. Everybody claims... I have life and I have it more abundantly. I have life, I have it more abundantly. But look what happens. The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. It says when he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Do you see that? I believe those, we read in Romans chapter 8 verse 14, those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. And God is wanting to visit us morning by morning to open our ear. And that word there t- meant to inspect. And how many know he wants to inspect our ears, what we need to hear? Now, if I'm hearing from God, there should be fruit. If I'm hearing from God, there should be blessings. There should open, be open doors. There should be new revelation. People ought to be drawn to you. Your marriage ought to be strong. Things ought to be happening. Uh, you ought to be able to pay your bills. But what is the fruit of not being led? And I want you to look with me in Genesis chapter 6. And the Lord always says, go to the beginning. And I want to show you something here that I believe is very crucial to understand what God is wanting to show us here. In Genesis chapter 3. Genesis 3, then we'll go to 6. How many of you, we want it all, amen. But to have that abundance of life, it says, my sheep must hear my voice. Now, Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. The Spirit brought me here and showed this to me, and I just want you to see something here. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Look at verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. Write this down. Self-awareness. Self-awareness. Awareness. 
hardens the hearing heart. Because it goes on to say that here comes God in the cool of the evening. Where are you? Where are you? They said, we heard your voice and was afraid. And listen in verse 11. Who told you you were naked? I thought I was the voice in your life. I thought I was the voice that will bring abundant life. But when you become self-aware, you you become less God or spirit aware. If something looks good to the eyes, my inner ear becomes more dull. If something feels good to the emotions, my inner ear becomes dull. If something looks good and sounds like it would be better for me, like I don't even have to pray about taking that job, I'm just going to take that job. The Bible says, oh, do not Incline to your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him and let him direct your paths. Why? Because when I become self-aware, I become less God-aware. Now I want to show you something interesting in Genesis chapter 6. Who told you we're naked? When I become, God, when I become self-aware, it's about my 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 desires, my my limitations. Genesis chapter six, verse one. Now this is going to get a little different, but you just stick with me. When men began to multiply on the land, and the daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose, any that they what. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days are 120 years. It goes on to say, verse 6, that, uh, that they, on verse 4, that they were in those days of the earth afterward, when the sons of God came to the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. These were mighty men who were of old and men of renown, or heroes or famous warriors of ancient times. Now, this portion of Scripture... The theologians go back and forth on it. And in one of my Hebrew books, there's 14 pages about who are the sons of God. And, you know, we know who the daughters of men are. And what it talks about, and you can read also in the book of Jude, it talks about those fallen angels who went beyond their borders and their limitations. That they had sexual relationships with the daughter of men. And by putting the supernatural with the natural, a giant race was born. Now listen to this. I know Jesus said that in heaven we would be like the angels. That we would not be given in marriage. But did you notice that it didn't say that they couldn't marry. Just that they wouldn't marry. And every time you look at the word angel in the Bible, it's in the word for masculine. I have a DVD of an apostle of God, Lester Summerall, who went to the Philippines. And there was a little 16-year-old prostitute there. That a demon would go into that cell and have relationships with that girl. And they have it on film and they filmed it. And, And even sometimes there would be hair in that girl's hands 
from that demon who had just uh, had relationships with her. And he went in there after three days of prayer and fasting, cast the devils out, and she got freed, and a revival hit that city. How many know if you have something like that going on, it was on every channel on the news, that would bring a revival. But what I'm saying is, isn't it something that angels were in their boundaries and they were doing what God wanted them to do until they fell into the sin of self-exposure? And that's the same thing that happened to Lucifer. Lucifer was the most beautiful angel in the world. No other angel was adored like he was. He would surround the very throne of God. Nobody was closer to the throne of God than Lucifer. And one day after eternity of Lucifer going around and worshiping God, Lucifer saw an image of himself in the reflection of the glory of God and thought, I'm beautiful also. I'm high also. You can read it in Ecclesiastes. I ought to build my throne above the throne of God. And so what I'm trying to show you in these instances that every time there was a fall, Satan fell. A third of the angels fell. These group of demons fell. And, and out of that were this giant race that was born. And they are chained into the end times. We see here that when we get into the area of living so self-aware or so much about me and not God-centered or not aware about God, the more I am aware of my circumstances and I'm unaware of what I don't have or I'm aware of how I feel and I'm not aware of Him, it's easy for me to be led astray. When I start seeing myself, and when I start seeing and being led by my limitations, my comparisons with other things, that when I start getting attempted, and Satan tempted a third of the angels who were created by God before the glory of God, and a third of the angels fell because he became so sensitive about himself and he saw himself. So we've got to be careful about that. Another thing I want to share with you about the importance of watching to hear from the Spirit of God, we've got to be personally responsible for ourselves. We, we cannot be too self-aware of ourselves, but we've got to be, have personal responsibility that I take charge of who I am. I, I made that decision. I made those decisions. So we've got to be take ourselves personal responsibility. So that means I'm going to be personally responsible to fast to pray about the decision before I make another boo-boo the next time. Write down flexibility. I've got to be flexible. I've got to adjust my attitudes and my thoughts. I've got to forsake different thoughts so that I can go forward and think in the thoughts of God. And, and when, I'm, when I'm going to be flexible, I need to ask myself these questions. What's important to me and what's important to God? When I'm going to choose something, what's important to me and what's important to God? Here's another investigation when we're investigating ourselves. How are my disciplines over my life? Am I living out of the knowledge that I have? Who am I and what am I going to be? What's my purpose in life? 
How do my emotions cause me to live out each day? And which one of those emotions dictates me? What causes me to be who I am and do what I do? Romans 8, 14 said, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. I must learn to consecrate my life every day to His plans. Not to my desires, not to man's desires, but His plans. I must dedicate them fresh and anew every day. Father, I dedicate this day to You. Uh, Lord, Your will be done in my life. I'm not going to be a sacrifice that climbs off of the altar, but I'm going to stay on the altar. And Lord, I'm going to be flexible. Lord, if You tell me to turn, I'm going to turn. You're going to tell me to stop, I'm going to stop. But whatever You tell me to do, I'm going to do. I'm going to be flexible. Because I want to live a consecrated life to you. And that only comes by looking intently into the Word of God. Amen. How many know you are responsible for your portion in life? Amen. Look at me in Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. And write this down, young people. Write this down and meditate on this. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will. Seek His will in all you do. And He will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. That's seeking God in all of our ways that He directs us. Amen? To be careful about hearing God and listening to God. He said in Isaiah 55, 8 and through 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I've got to learn to grab a hold of the thoughts of God. Because so many times, you know what happens, is that fear causes us to fall into suspicion, which we call discernment. And before you know it, the voice I am listening to, and you hear people say, the Lord showed me, the Lord told me, and really what it was, it was a suspicion that arised out of some type of hurt or some type of wound, and we are being led saying we're hearing from God, but being, we're being led by some inner hurt that is trying to lead us and bring us into the wrong direction. That's why we've got to continually keep in the Word of God before our eyes and our ears every day. That's why it takes honest heart searching to uh, empty ourselves with us and fill ourselves with God. Amen. So let me finish this right quick. How to be led by God. Number one, write this down. How can we be led by God? Write down this. God leads us by our born-again spirits. God leads us by our born-again spirits. Proverbs 20, verse 27 says, The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the innermost parts of his being. How many know that God cannot communicate to our mind or our soulish area effectively, spirit to spirit? So when you are born again, you are born into the image of Christ. You are born into the image of God to where God can speak to you spirit to spirit. Isn't that a great thing that we have? God can communicate with our spirit so that our born again 
Spirit is the candle or the lamp unto our path. Number two, he leads us by an inward witness. He leads us by an inward witness. Romans 8.16 says the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. How many of you have ever felt an inward leading? A number of you here, you've felt an inward leading. It's, it's sometimes it can be an excitement. Or maybe it's not an excitement. Brother Buddy, for example, someone comes up, Brother Buddy, I want to go to the prison with you this Monday. All right, all right. And all of a sudden, you know, uh, he walks away and then uh, the next day, you know, I really don't feel like I'm supposed to go to the prison. I heard that he needed somebody to go with him. Now I don't know if I want to. Then the next day, there's no excitement at all. Well, if you lost your excitement, maybe you weren't led from the beginning. So when you go back to him and says, you know, brother, I really feel like I can't go to the prison. You done said the Lord showed me I needed to go to the prison for you. No, you were led by emotion and not by the word of the Lord. And now who's changing his mind? Amen, church. You see what I'm saying? A lot of times we're saying we feel we're being led. The Lord showed me. And a lot of times what it is is that inward witness is trying to, to for us to learn how to be guided and led by him. That's what happened to Paul when this woman was going, listen to these men of God. Listen to these messengers of the Most High. But something on the inward witness was saying there's something wrong here. There's something not right here. And then after three days, he turned around and rebuked the spirit within her. Why? Because that inward witness told him there's something wrong here. There's something to discern here. In Exodus 30, in Ex, I'm sorry, in Ezekiel 3.22, where it says the hand of the Lord was upon me. And Isaiah 8.11, it says that he, the Lord spoke to me with his strong hand upon me. This is what it says in the Hebrew. The message was impressed deep into my soul. With compelling power. The message was compressed deep within my soul with compelling power. Now, we've got to learn to live by that inward witness. If you promise somebody to do something and you're getting ready to go somewhere with them, but all of a sudden you just feel like there's just something wrong, you need to stop until the Lord shows you whether it's the right time to go with that person or do that or, or commit, uh, stay in that commitment. We've got to be led by that spirit because we may be walking into a trap. So we've got to go by the inward spirit, that leading by the spirit. Okay, write this down. Number three, the still small voice. The inward voice of the Holy Spirit. How many know that the prophet Samuel heard as a child? Now I want you to write this down. When you hear that inner voice, you hear the, the still small voice of God. You say, how do I know that was God talking to me? Because when God speaks to you, there's such an atmosphere of authority that you leave there knowing without any doubt, God told me to do this. There's such a sense of authority. There's such a sense of dominion that you know God has told you to do that and you're going to do it. So we see a still inner voice, God speaking to us, the things he wants to guide us into, the things he wants to lead us into, positions of peace, perfect peace, promptings of the Lord. That's why it's so important that we meditate and study in this life. John 3.21 says, but he who practices truth, who does right, comes out into the light that his works may be plainly shown to be what they are Wrought with God, divinely prompted, and done with God's help. Hallelujah. I want the help of God on my side. Amen. Hallelujah. He'll help us carry out our victories. And number four, of course, 
the most important thing, write down. You've got to have the written word of God, the Bible. Amen. The written word of God. What's happening today is we find that many times people want to pick and choose what they want to believe. Whole denominations want to pick and choose. Well, we don't really believe that there's a virgin birth. Well, we don't believe that they're speaking in tongues. We don't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So you can find different translations to just go along with what you want to believe. How many of you believe the whole Word of God is the Word of God? It is the written Word of God. And even as it says in, in the book of John 10.35, that the Scripture cannot be broken. The Word of God is God's character, it's His fruit, it's His content, and it's His wisdom. We can't pick and choose. The Word of God is the Word of God. And write this down, Acts 17, verse 11. They examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Every time, some, every time you get a word or you say, how do I know if God told me this? Well, you go search the scriptures and you find word to back up what God told you. Well, God's told me to do this. You got some scriptures to back it up. God told me to do that. Do you have some scriptures to back it up? And you make sure that God confirms it. You know, I had to, since I've, I've been here, I've performed two weddings for two different families who begged me to, to marry their kids. I didn't want to because I didn't know their relationship with Jesus good enough. But they said, since we're friends, for our, for our favor to me, would you please marry them? And the time I've been here, the two I've married as a favor ended in divorce. I've married a lot of people. And a lot of people say, well, you know, there's nothing wrong. What I put, what I claim God's blessing on, I'm saying God approves of this couple. And when I chose to do my friends a favor and go against my conviction, I was a part of something that was not of God. But I can also tell you, the couples I did, said I would not marry, the couples we tried to stop from getting married, Today, wish they would have not got married, but because they chose to listen to man, they chose to listen to the flesh, they got married anyway, and now it's divorce, it's not where they want to be. What all this is about that we've been learning the last three weeks, God wants us to have an abundant life, but we've got to learn to know that still, small voice and that inner promptings of the Holy Spirit. Don't go there. Don't do that. The Bible says in Proverbs 25, 2, our glory, which is also the word, our benefit is to search out the meaning. Write that down. Proverbs 25, 2. Our glory or our benefit is to search out the meaning. What does God mean by this? Everything seems okay on the outside. Everybody is for it, but there is still something on the inside of me that's troubling me. There's something that seems to be wrong here. It looks good on the outside, but there's something in my spirit that's bothering me. There's something wrong here. What the Bible says, our glory, our benefit, our progression is to search out the meaning. Well, I'm not just going to overlook this, oh, Lord, well, thy will be done. No, I've got to get in the Word of God, and I've got to start searching. 
is it really the will of the Lord? Is it God's will for me? I mean, listen, when we would fly to Argentina, and Kayla, I want you to listen to me, girl, about Honduras. You make sure you know you've heard from God about the date and even the plane to ride. Our God is such a God of clarity that I would not buy my tickets unless I knew the airline, I knew the day and the time. Uh, if God, if I was going to bring my family and fly 14 hours in deadly places, I want to know that I'm on the right plane, the right time, and with the right company. And the Holy Spirit can speak with such clarity that you won't make a mistake. When you go to buy a house, when you go to, go to buy a car, you don't have to worry about making a wrong decision. If you ask, Holy Spirit, I ask you to lead me. And even though the, the salesman is right there saying, oh, this is a deal. You've got to jump on it. You've got to jump on it. This is the best thing you can do. But there's something on the inside of you telling you, no, I've got something better. I've got something better. You better listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. If you go to a restaurant and the Spirit tells you, don't eat that food. How many of you know? You better listen to them. Amen? You see, I quit taking, I, I quit taking vitamins a while, for quite a while now. I was detoxifying my body. But I've been praying for people with pneumonia and the flu and everything else all these weeks without taking vitamins. The Holy Spirit told me to get back on them a few days ago. Well, I didn't do it. And I, I'm battling pneumonia. Why? Because I didn't heed the Holy Spirit. I admit it. You ever missed them? Listen, I believe that God is such a God. He wants to get involved with all your decisions. He wants to guide and lead you. He says he wants to guide and lead you into everything. He wants to guide and lead you into everything. So I just want us to be more sensitive, hearing from him, knowing his will. Young people, who to date? Which friends to hang around with? Which friends to hang around with? Nobody made you get in that car. You, you made a choice to get in that car. Nobody made you make out with that guy. You made a choice to make out with that guy. Nobody made you go on vacation with those people. You made a choice to go on vacation with those people. Nobody made you do a business deal. You chose to do that business deal. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he'll direct your path. Amen. Hallelujah. Did you get something out of this? Hallelujah. Let's stand up on our feet. Hallelujah.